Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... It is Tuesday night for, I believe, the second consecutive week or... I think we were on Wednesday last week and Tuesday the week before. They're, all the weeks are just meshing together at this point, Ryan Talbot. But you are right here on a Tuesday night for Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Right now, you can enter for a chance to win $1 million. Uh, each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone to enter. Hello, my friend. Hello. Special Tuesday night podcast. Uh, you know, We had the original Wednesday-Friday uh, timeline planned out originally, but Hey, when a familiar face comes back to Buffalo, you you have to talk about it sooner rather than later there, Mr. Perino. I got to say, it's really exciting for me. We launched this podcast three years ago now, and we're now, you know, so much a part of a lot of Bills fans' routine. Thank you so much. I mean, we're forever grateful that when something big happens, like big news happens, you know, the DMs fill up, the mentions fill up, emergency pod, emergency pod. So, we appreciate you. Obviously, Ryan's got the day job, so during the day, it's kind of it's kind of tougher. But we thought, let's move up the timeline. We'll get into this uh, Cole Beasley uh, conversation, and there's really a lot to cover, you know, with this. I mean, this there's there's nuance that goes into all of this. It starts with what's been going on with the Bills' offense, Beasley's history with the team, and this continued storyline of getting the entire Bills band back together that really began back in 18 when they drafted Josh Allen and they built around him. And there's been pieces that have uh, come. There's been pieces that have gone. And there's been so many pieces now, Ryan, this year that have been brought back. And this was a move to me starting out at the top was about what is the easiest path to help for this offense right now. And to me, Cole Beasley serves as this immediate easy button that you can add back to the Bills offense because all this time we've been talking about Odell Beckham Jr., right? Well, ideally in the middle of November, getting him in the building, that makes a lot of sense because you have some runway to get him up to speed on the playbook. But now we're sitting here on December 13th and a guy that says he doesn't really want to play or maybe even sign with a team until the playoffs. How are you going to learn this complicated Bills offense in that short amount of time and be effective in the playoff? This answers an immediate problem. There's been a lack of production at the slot receiver position. I think Isaiah McKenzie has kind of owned that over the course of the last week. I mean, some of the tweets, we'll talk about that and the timeline. But just first reactions here, 
this is something that, you know, adds a piece Josh Allen is ultra familiar with, and they're hoping can maybe open things up for this offense. Yeah, you know, going back to this, the Odell Beckham Jr. angle of it or the storyline there, I think Buffalo would have been all in on Odell Beckham Jr. if he would have been willing to sign somewhere in mid or late November, get comfortable with the playbook and come in and play two, three games here at the end of the of the regular season and then uh, really be ready to go for the playoffs. And I don't know if he let his, uh, you know, his voice be heard when he met with the team, but when he went on, uh, the shop last week during the Thursday night football game. And he pretty much said, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't see a point in playing in the regular season. I just want to be out there on the field, come playoff time, helping a team win a Super Bowl. Ideally, that'd be great. But he does not know this system. He does not have any kind of rapport with Josh Allen. We don't know what kind of chemistry they would have or even where he is yet uh, in terms of making cuts and, and how his route running is. He didn't want to work out for anyone. Cole Beasley, you know, the Bills had to be, one, be comfortable with his game shape right now to sign him to the practice squad. Two, there is, there, there's no questions whatsoever about his knowledge of this playbook. He knows that. I know it was the Brian Dable system when he was here, but a lot of that carried over to Ken Dorsey. He's going to be very comfortable here. It goes to Isaiah McKenzie, like you said, not being able to take over that Cole Beasley role in, in a proper manner in terms of, being that safety valve or blanket for Josh Allen. And I think it also kind of goes to the fact that Gabe Davis hasn't been able to elevate his game to being that number two weapon, that that other player that can take some attention away from Stefan Diggs on a consistent basis. What Gabe Davis does and what Cole Beasley does are completely different things, but Cole Beasley is hauling in 60, 80 plus passes in those three seasons. I think it was 67, 82, 82. He was a reliable weapon. He was always open. Third downs, you could get him the ball. It took some of the pressure off of Stefan Diggs. And there were certain game plans where you could feed him the ball 12 to 15 times, and he'd end up with seven to nine receptions and be this X factor for this offense. So you know what you're getting in Beasley. This signing just made too much sense, in my opinion. 100%. And listen, there's 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 layers that we're going to peel back um, over the course of this show. I mean, there's a lot that goes into Cole Beasley. He's a polarizing figure. And But from a football-specific standpoint, a couple things that I really like about this move. Number one, you are basically agreeing to um, get back together, if you're the Bills and Cole Beasley, for a stretch run. You're looking at seven, maybe eight games here, four in the regular season, and then three or four in the playoffs. You hope you make a Super Bowl run, right? This isn't some, you know, you're signing for another season. This is a very truncated, shortened period of time, number one. So that that piece of it makes a lot of sense. Number two, he's never lost any, like, stature in the locker room, even with all the controversy that kind of swirled around him as some of the tweets that went out and obviously everything that happened during the COVID season and all the back stuff. Everybody in that locker room loved him. Most importantly, Josh Allen. And then you take in the factor that he's healthy. He hasn't taken a full season beating, Ryan, which is something that has derailed his seasons. The last two, he was here, 21 and 20. 20, played on a broken leg in the playoffs. And in 21, he just didn't look the same down the stretch after a pretty hot start. Here's another stat that I think is really important to think about. Isaiah McKenzie has basically had most of the slot snaps this year, right? But through this season so far, he's played in 
12 games. Okay. He's had 55 targets. He's played 400 some odd snaps. Cole Beasley in his last season with the bills played in 16 games. He had 693 snaps and he had 112 targets. So just think about the place in the offense that these two players held those two seasons put together. Here's another stat. The bills had five drops on Sunday against the Jets as a team. Two of them were by McKenzie. In all of those less snaps, McKenzie has five drops on the season total. Cole Beasley in those close to 700 snaps last season, in what I think most fans thought was a drop-off from 2020, only five drops all season long. So I think you're getting experience. You're getting a lot of big-time NFL play experience, game experience, and you're getting a, a more reliable player who's healthy, which to me is the most important part of this Beasley piece. It's an eight week window and you hope he can stay healthy at his age and what he's able to do. But I think this has a chance to really supercharge things and give them an option where he's on the practice squad for the next three weeks. John Brown only has one activate or um, elevation remaining. You can do that three times before the playoffs. And then Sal Capaccio reported that that resets at the end uh, of the season. So that can both go back to the practice squad and then the unlimited elevations for the playoffs, which is actually a really nice little tidbit uh, to learn from Sal. So you have so much flexibility with your roster as Jay Kumaro is working back, Jamison Crowder working back, but I don't think you have to rush Crowder now with a healthy Cole Beasley. I was a little bit skeptical that even if he was able to get back, it's a situation where coming off a broken ankle, are you even going to be hundred percent? Right. Yeah. Crowder it's, in a in in the best scenario, he comes back at the end of the regular season, gets a little play, and then maybe he can play in the playoffs. But you don't know with those ankle injuries, breaking your ankle, uh, how long it's going to take. So the Bills obviously hope you, they could get him back, but signing Cole Beasley just makes so much sense for this team for all the reasons you already pointed out from the fact that he doesn't drop the ball. He's a reliable target. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie's really struggled in that role. And listen, Isaiah McKenzie tonight did his pod, uh, live podcast. He talked about how he feels he's open all the time in this offense and uh, just not getting the looks that he needs. But when his number has been called on, he's had those drops, those frustrating drops. The third and two against the Jets, obviously, is the one, the most recent one that comes to mind. I think now that you have Cole Beasley back in the mix, Isaiah McKenzie goes back to the role that he played in 2021, in 2020, where you can line him up in the slot at times. He can relieve Cole Beasley. There's going to be times where you're going against man defense where he could really even thrive, but he's also going to go back to being that gadget guy, more end arounds, more motion, maybe pre-snap. It allows things to open up for this offense. There was something missing to this mix this year. Stefan Diggs is playing out of his mind, having a great season, arguably his best season as a member of the Bills. But everything else has been off from Gabe Davis to McKenzie to Dawson Knox. This might unlock that magic, so to speak, that they're looking for here late in the season as they're trying to hold on to that number one seed as they're trying to bring their first Super Bowl to Buffalo. Anthony Cole here, uh, friend of the show. Thank you so much for the super chat, my friend. Nine ninety nine. Are you out of your mind, Anthony Cole? Mm. I love it, but he wants to get it taken here. I'd wager, Anthony Cole says, McKenzie is released if Beasley plays even decent than these next couple of weeks. Listen, I think that the, the McKenzie experience in the slot as the, the main slot guy is, you know, it, it, it hasn't been fruitful at this stage. I think that that's safe to say, right? 
Also, I think finding the role, the right role for him is important as you get down the stretch run. I could see something where if they like what they've seen from Shakir, and obviously Hines has kind of been used, Naheem Hines has been used more kind of in that, um, you know, gadgety role over the last couple of weeks. Maybe they just have McKenzie take a step back over the next couple of weeks. It wouldn't shock me if he was, if he sat down on, on, on Saturday, they elevated Cole Beasley. Uh, elevated John Brown. He's got one more elevation as well. And then, you know, maybe bring him back um, either to, uh, to the practice squad or sign him to the active roster, however they want to figure all that out. Or maybe they 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 activate Cole, Cole Beasley this week and save that activation for John Brown for a different week. However it ends up playing out, they have to figure out what to do with McKenzie moving forward. Interestingly enough, uh, we were talking about this before the show. Yeah. Isaiah McKenzie went, he did his weekly uh, appearance uh, or, or bi-weekly appearance with Tyler Dunn over on the uh, Go Long Touchdown uh, podcast, which I highly recommend. Tyler does a great job. You know, his his website in general, like, go check it out. He's always covering something in the NFL. There's a lot of Bill stuff. The, on the podcast, though, apparently, Isaiah McKenzie, I only saw the clip shortly, uh, but Tyler tweeted it out, and you can see it. Uh, he's at Ty Dunn, that McKenzie said if the Bills were to win a Super Bowl, he would retire <laughs> and have his... First sip of alcohol of his life, apparently. That was the the quote, which is crazy to think that, um, you know, uh, to go your whole life without a sip of alcohol. Cheers to um, to Isaiah McKenzie. That's great. Here's the thing, though, on McKenzie. When you start talking about retirement, Ryan, and this goes back to my, you know, history with the UFC, Dana White always used to say this, and I, and I think that he's spot on. When a fighter, right, starts talking about retirement, usually it means that they should. Because their 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 head's not in it, their heart's not in it. However, you want to kind of frame it or or dress it up. Isaiah McKenzie recruited Cole Beasley to come yeah. back here. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I think you know maybe this is a, a white flag in a way from Isaiah McKenzie. Like, listen, Cole Beasley and and McKenzie's always just talked with such reverence about Cole. His his footwork, his technique as a as a tactician, as a route runner, and all that everything that he's learned from him. He looks up to him. He's one of his, like, you know, his mentors, his idols. And so I think this is like, listen, let me, you know, sit back into the role that I've had the last couple of years. Let Cole Beasley come in here, be who he is, and, and make a run at it. Yeah, so the first talking point, the the Super Chat, thank you for the Super Chat. I would be very surprised if Isaiah McKenzie was released uh, during the rest of the season one. I think there'd be some playoff contenders that would bring him in for a variety oh, yeah. of reasons. Uh, being inactive, however, is a completely different conversation, which I think is a very realistic possibility, whether it's this week or some of these games later in the, in the year, because you mentioned you have Cole Beasley playing the traditional slot role. Uh, you don't need Isaiah McKenzie doing the kickoff or punt return duties that he was doing in years past because you have Naheem Hines who's doing a great job in that role now. So it does come down to a numbers game. And there's it's always tough on active game days to get that roster down. There's always one or two tough decisions, and it might be McKenzie here in the next few weeks. But you always want to keep a player like that around because you're one injury away uh, from needing him again. I'm also really excited about the Cole Beasley acquisition. And this is maybe it's more so for 2023 in terms of what I'm hoping to see. I think this is going to be really good for Khalil Shakir. I think Shakir can learn this season from Cole Beasley over these last seven weeks. And then maybe by 2023, Shakir is ready to assume that role as being the main slot guy. There's a lot of hype around him after uh, he was drafted. People saying, oh, if the Bills would have taken him in the second uh, day of the draft, they wouldn't have complained. He had a really nice training camp. He 
He shined in, uh, I think it was the Pittsburgh game this season, catching a touchdown pass. And then it's been very little from him. And again, it's a numbers game. It's it's not always going to be a ton of targets for a rookie. But I think having uh, someone like Cole Beasley in here to teach him some of the 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 route running, some of the things that can only sharpen his game is going to benefit him in that regard in future years. So there's a lot of good that can come out of this signing, but you mentioned it, Matt, this process to bring Cole Beasley back. It's been going on for a few weeks, starting with Isaiah McKenzie, uh, tweeting at him, Hey, what's going on? And, and you can get in a little bit with that. And then I thought there was quite the ominous statement by Stefan Diggs after John Brown joined the practice squad. His quote was, the band is almost back together. Just saying that, let you know that, hey, you know, they weren't closing the door and bringing back Cole Beasley. Uh, So definitely something that they've been working on here for a few weeks. So this to me is the perfect encapsulation of how this all is able to work out. Because, you know, we go on a trip down memory lane here, you know, th- things didn't end great with the bills and, and Beasley. I mean, he was frustrated with, you know, the COVID protocols. I mean, he'd been fined a bunch by the NFL. He wasn't happy at the end of his tenure. And then he, he basically gets cut. Right. And, w- and whenever that happens in the league, when you've done as much as you've done, it's, it's a struggle that, you know, he sent out some shots at, at Buffalo. I think most of that is like replying to fans who are saying like, Oh, we're glad that Beasley's not here anymore. Or however it's been kind of framed. And, you know, listen, when when things like 2020 happened that were, you know, things get political, things get very opinionated, you know, feelings are hurt, like all those things make a lot of sense. And, you know, from whatever, for whatever reason, and we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to Cole and, you know, get some perspective, because that's one thing that I think was lost in all of the COVID stuff was like 2019 was in the, I was in the locker room. I love talking to Cole Beasley. Like, I remember one time just sitting around his locker talking about him just taking his kids over to Burt's Bees or whatever the place is called. It's like a little fun house over by the mall. And like just shooting stuff with him, right? And he's like everybody else. He's a dad. He's a he's a he 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 goes out to dinner. He's got a family, and he's like and and I've shared a lot of stories with him uh, just sitting around in the locker room and all that stuff. I mean, listen, politics can mess up a lot of things. Like I get it. Uh, We're we're all entitled to our opinion, whatever the 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 case may be. Uh, But some of the other stuff, uh, you know, we can get down a, a real rabbit hole. And, and we will, but I want to talk to Cole first. I want to, you know, kind of go through that whole process before we talk too much about that. But the reason why I think this was always uh, mendable from a Bills Beasley perspective is that the guys in the locker room love him. Like, I, like what I was mentioned, revere him. I mean, Josh Allen, you know, they still talk about like at the beginning of the season, missing him. Uh, it's called Billy Bees. My wife uh, helped me out there. I was um, just going to correct you. Yeah. Yeah. Burt's Bees right. is the, the lip balm there. Yes. <laughs> I like birds, but birds, bees. it's a good, um, it's a good stick. Anyway. Oh, we got an announcement too. Don't let us end the show. AJ note to the producer. When you come on, we got a big announcement uh, at the end of the show. So I'll make sure we, we do that a couple weeks ago, Isaiah McKenzie on November 30th. So two weeks ago, out of the clear blue tweets at bees, 11 Cole Beasley's Twitter account. What's up? Cole Beasley. Nothing much. Missing you, buddy. About to take Ace uh, Man to basketball practice. Just living the dad life, right? Call me when you get a chance. Heart. 
This that was on December first, uh, a day later. So to your point, this is something where the Bills, you know, were recruiting this guy back. I mean, they wanted him back to be a part of this thing. And I think one of the coolest storylines about this season is the Bills sit here at ten and three from a fan perspective, like having Jordan Phillips back, having Shaq Lawson back, AJ Klein. You know, Taiwan Jones, who left and had a big uh, moment for a little while in Houston. And now on the, you know, Brown, Beasley, all of these guys that have been brought back into the mix. It's like it's coming full circle and and they're just loading up even in the aftermath of the devastating Von Miller news. They're just loading up with as many guys that, you know, they know they can rely upon on game day and, and running it back one more time to see if they can get to a Super Bowl. It's a, it's a cool story. and It's something that I think is going to probably energize this group that has been really impressive with the way that they've gotten through a lot of adversity over the last month and managed to put together this four game win streak. The only, I think two teams that have more consecutive wins at this point in the season. And and this has a chance to kind of springboard them to the end of the season with two huge games, one this week against Miami. And then obviously Cincinnati on Monday night football in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So you're right. Isaiah McKenzie didn't hide it very well two weeks ago, tweeting him when he clearly had his number. could have messaged him that way. Uh, but it wasn't just Isaiah McKenzie from what I've been told. I, I, I've been told Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Josh Allen all reached out to Cole Beasley. And it didn't take much convincing, I don't think, for Beasley to want to come back. Because as much as they revere and love Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley loves that locker room, those players. Last Over, over the summer, Matt, I remember I was listening to a podcast with Cole Beasley and his former college coach. And he, and he was talking about the fact he was happy he didn't have to go to a training camp this year. He was happy he was going to have fresh legs at the start of the regular season. Well, he's only been in Tampa for two weeks, so he's going to have those fresh legs late in the season. That's going to benefit the Bills. That's going to benefit Cole Beasley come playoff time. This is a win-win for both sides. I'm sure Bills fans are just clamoring for him to get elevated for the first time. So you'll hear that high-pitched, I love you, Josh Allen, uh, on on the video pregame where they're all in the huddle. This is a good move for the team based on who is available, based on finding someone that could elevate this offense a little bit and help them. I'm not expecting Cole Beasley to be that, uh, to, to replicate his all pro season here from 2020 second team, all pro where he had 82 receptions, 900 plus yards in, uh, or have a pace like that over these last seven games. But I still think he can be a reliable target. He can be a big chain mover on third down, getting open and he can be an asset in the red zone. So I have high expectations for what Cole Beasley can do for this offense. We are red hot on Tuesday night here, Ryan Talbot. Over 350 watching live. Smash that like button on YouTube. We appreciate everybody being in here on this Tuesday night. A little bit of a curveball. But we, we also started talking about this, Ryan, today. Like it, it actually lines up with the schedule a little bit better. Today's kind of like a Wednesday. There's an injury report that was put out for the walkthrough today. We'll go over that in a little while on the show. And then, um, you know, we'll obviously be down at the practice tomorrow and then we'll come back with a full Miami centric preview show on Thursday afternoon. It's going to be on the earlier side, four to four forty. Uh, tune in for that. Get that on your calendar. Cause I want to see these numbers again on Thursday. I know some people will still be at work. Listen, get the show on your, on your iPhone, right? Put it under the desk. You can watch it right there. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get into a little bit more about what this means now for this offense. Because this is an offense that has struggled, and I wrote in the story this morning on Beasley, weather update. We'll get to that later in the show as well. Joshua Allen, our good buddy over on Facebook. So I put out a, a story this morning. First six games, Ryan, the Buffalo Bills off passing offense averaged 353 through the air per game in that run. The last seven, the average is down to 212 yards per game. Now, listen, you expect a small drop off, right? Like, because things tighten up as you get into November and December, you're, they're playing good defenses, but that is falling off an absolute cliff. There's something wrong here. You know, we could talk about who's most at fault, maybe place blame at different people's, you know, doorsteps. Ken Dorsey has a role in it. Uh, Josh Allen probably has a role in it. Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, all these, all these folks we could talk about, right? Josh Allen through the first six games or through the first seven games, six of them had two or more passing touchdowns since then in the last six. Only two of the six games has he had just two passing touchdowns. Hasn't had three since October in a game. So they have diagnosed this offense with a sickness and they got to figure out a way to fix it. Now, the good news is they're at a point in the season where they can find it and get on a run. They did it last year. They proved it last year. They did it a little bit earlier, you know, last season. But we're in a situation now where getting Cole Beasley back maybe getting some production in that short uh, passing game with his ability to get open, especially when teams want to play that too high shell, that could be just the perfect medicine to unlock things for them. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't remember if it was Matt Harmon or who the national analyst was, but it was this last game against the jets. And they said the biggest weakness in terms of the jets defense pass defense was in the middle of the field. And I don't think Josh Allen has thrown to the middle of the field one time. So if, if you're looking for, one of the biggest areas that where this offense has struggled with why there's been such a significant drop off. That's got to be, you know, maybe one, a one B on that list. They don't have that reliable weapon that can sit in the middle of the field that can hurt these defenses uh, in that short intermediate game from a traditional slot player. Now you can drop the ball off to James cook in that short route uh, in the middle of the field to Devin Singletary. Uh, You can try to get some other guys involved, but they were missing that. You can point out Josh Allen still is not close to 100% dealing with that elbow injury. You can point out the offensive line playing some of their worst football as of late, in my opinion. Uh, Obviously, Deion Dawkins came back from an injury this last game, three penalties. We've talked about Spencer Brown a lot this year, and usually don't want to have to spend a lot of time on offensive linemen. So if the name's getting mentioned a lot, it's not for good reasons. And then even on the interior, there's been some issues as of late with Roger Saffold, an injury to Ryan Bates. Uh, And the list goes on. So it's not just one thing. It's not just Ken Dorsey. And like you said, Matt, some of that blame goes to him as well. It's 
it's a lot of reasons kind of all mixed together. But if Cole Beasley can remedy that middle of the field issue, I think that makes the offensive line look better because Josh Allen's going to get the ball out faster. It's going to help Josh Allen in terms of getting the ball out, finding uh, in, inflating his stats, so to speak, opening things up for Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis and company. If teams have to respect that passing game to Cole Beasley. So it helps him. It helps Ken Dorsey giving him a traditional slot receiver that maybe he was missing in this offense. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of changes in terms of the roles of players or what they envision the roles of players would be this year. Dawson Knox, uh, Gabe Davis, they haven't lived up to the expectations that I think a lot of the fan base was expecting. And I think some of the, the expectations by the fan base were very fair in terms of they brought these guys in. They didn't replace uh, Cole Beasley with anyone outside other than Jamison Crowder. Crowder though was kind of beaten out this summer by Isaiah McKenzie at training camp in terms of who is playing better. Uh, so now though, you have to start solving those issues and, and Cole Beasley is not going to solve everything, but he can, put a bandaid on a lot of these other issues so to speak tops sells band-aids i didn't have a good transition there i'm <laughs> disappointed in myself that's what i was waiting for i was like i was waiting for something to come come to my head and band-aid you, you gave me nothing to work with there ryan so you know if you, if you need band-aids they're probably always on sale at tops friendly markets because they got deals all the time and tis the season to save on your groceries and all of your favorite holiday gifts christmas bonus is underway at tops friendly markets shop at tops and save ten dollars at all your other favorite stores and restaurants with over 25 gift cards to choose from there's something for everyone on your list and don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too save on great gifts like toys and games from gamestop or toys r us at macy's great family dining at applebee's or buffalo wild wings that new big screen tv you want from best buy and so much more just by shopping at tops be santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops, and for a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. All right, I want to play a little game here before we move on to some other stuff. And I see some folks talking about the injury report in the chat. I want to play a little game here before we move on. Did you ever play that game Operation as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You had to diagnose what the problem was and, you know, fix it, right? So I, I I want to play a game with this offense. And I think depending on who you talk to in the fan base, in the media, everybody's got their theory on, on, on what's going wrong for this offense. Josh Allen's elbow. As a matter of fact, did you know uh, he said last week on the Pat McAfee show that he had uh, some platelets shot into um, yes. his, his elbow, which was a very interesting uh, development and something that, you know, they originally told me wasn't going to be a play. Uh, right away, he might have missed, had to miss two, four weeks. That uh, op, that um, uh, procedure that he underwent allowed him to play right away. So that's something that, you know, who knows if he's still dealing with the effects of that. So that's it's it's warranted. The elbow, the offensive line, which I want to talk a little bit about because to me that was the worst thing going for the in the Jets game. And Ken Dorsey specifically talked about it on Monday. Dorsey himself, the lack of the consistent run game. Gabe Davis, Isaiah Isaiah McKenzie. Dawson Knox before last week. What are you diagnosing as maybe the top three issues that are plaguing the Buffalo Bills? You can stop it. You can start at your number one, and then I'll and I'll go from there. Yeah, number one for me is Josh Allen's elbow because I feel like Josh Allen, when healthy, elevates the play of everyone around him. Now, Stefan Diggs is a superstar in his own right, but he takes guys like Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox, all fine players. None of them superstars, though. And he makes them look like superstar caliber players in certain games. 
the way that they, he can get them the ball, the way that he can extend plays and keep plays alive. But with the elbow the way it's been, I think, one, uh, it, it's hurt a little bit in terms of how he's delivering the ball. It was sloppy conditions on Sunday, so this isn't the greatest example, but that the ball that he threw to Stefan Diggs early in the game where Diggs was wide open in the middle of the field, and he just missed him. Uh, little things like that, I feel like those are plays that he hits 99.9% of the time when he's right. So I think it starts with the elbow because when he is healthy, he takes players that might be average, above average, and he makes them look that much better. So for me, that's number one. Uh, do you want me to continue on here? Do you want to jump oh, into that ahead. first? Okay. Number two, I, I'm going to go with Ken Dorsey. Um, Ken Dorsey is learning on the fly. I know he's been in, in the system. I know he's been in Buffalo as the quarterback's coach for a few seasons. But being the quarterback's coach, being the offensive coordinator, and being having to call the plays, having to utilize the personnel and the packages, it's a completely different ball game. So there's going to be growing pains, especially in their first his first season as an offensive coordinator here with the Bills. I think he's done some things really, really well. I think early on in the season, when you mentioned how many passing yards the Bills were throwing for, the touchdowns, things look great. But then defenses started to figure things out and figured out ways to slow down certain players or certain looks. And I'm not sure that the Bills have shown a great or sustained response to that. There's been games where they've been able to respond to struggles from the previous week. But it hasn't been consistent. When when the run game was going well for a few weeks, they go away from it, like last week against the Jets. Uh, when you're getting certain guys' looks, Isaiah McKenzie stacked a few decent games together. He can't continue that. Stefan Diggs is one man. They have to figure out a way to get that ball moving a little bit better with the other weapons. So I think that's number two for me. You know, offensive line as bad as they were against the Jets. I think that they've been better in in terms of opening running lanes for these guys over the past five, six weeks. Uh, that's got to be up there, though, in terms of the pass protection. We all know about Spencer Brown and his struggles. We know that uh, Deion Dawkins was not great this past week. He's missed, you know, both of the tackles have missed time this year. David Questenberry played on a bad ankle at left tackle for Deion Dawkins a few weeks ago. The offensive line is priority number one for me in the offseason if I'm Brandon Bean. Uh, I even tweeted last week, I said in the first three rounds of the NFL 2023 NFL draft, if the Bills don't take two offensive linemen, I'd be uh, upset if I was a Bills fan. I think they really need to invest that much in this offensive line early in the draft. So I guess that would be my top three. Gabe Davis is a tempting option, as is Isaiah McKenzie. But for me, that's my top three. No, I think you're I think you're pretty spot on there. Uh, I, I might flip the offensive line and Ken Dorsey just because I think the offensive line, you know, when they broke down as much as they did against the Jets and it has been, they've had games, they've been up and down. I feel like they're from a pass protection standpoint, there's been some games where Roger Saffold has been pretty solid, right? Not great, but solid. I mean, he came out a couple weeks ago and tweeted out a picture of him at like, like with the pro bowl vote and said, uh, you know, he hasn't allowed a sack all season. Now he's allowed plenty of pressures. I don't, I don't know the number in front of me. I can look it up, but it's been a struggle at times for that offensive line. And I think for Allen, he, to your point, it's so important that he like, um, he makes it okay when guys around him aren't playing at a, at a, at a super high level, right? Like he raises their game, especially the offensive lineman. Like when he gets in and out of the uh, pocket, 
it really saves a lot of guys. But Ken Dorsey was asked about, you know, when they're when adversity's hitting the line, guys are in and out of the lineup, Bates gets hurt, Deion Dawkins is playing on an injured uh um ankle. Does that affect your play calling at all? And this was his answer. I think when you're calling it, when I was in the position as quarterbacks coach, you're just kind of looking at ideas and trying to throw things out there like, hey, this might work. But when you're calling the game, you learn as you're going. There's such an overall big picture on how you're calling the game, whether it's what you're what they're doing defensively, whether it's what what's giving us problems, whether it's, hey, we're having success with we find different ways to do that or whether it's how well your defense is playing at the time, too, which obviously the Bills defense was dominant the other day. So it probably made them a little bit less aggressive because they didn't want to make a mistake knowing how well the defense was playing. So I think there was uh, some factors in that game against the Jets that dictated our style of play a little bit, as well as the defense and how the defense was playing. So for me, that was interesting because basically is admitting there that this has been a learning process for them. And I, and I think if the bills had any other ideas, whether it be Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean, that this wasn't going to be something that he was gonna have to learn on the job. I think that they were fooling themselves a little bit. And I think having that expectation level of Dorsey, and I think it's in a way for the long-term viability of this offense it's a good thing that it's been maybe a struggle at times because if they were just hitting on all cylinders ryan like we talked about this on a show earlier this season could you imagine if they go win a super bowl and ken dorsey's hired as a head coach like maybe some of the hiccups will make teams hesitate if the bills have a, a late playoff run same thing that happened with dable with the Chargers a couple of years ago so i think it's you want to get the offensive line playing as well as possible it'll help in the run game which i think that they've made progress in last game was a step back and they, you know, they didn't lean on it as much as probably they should have knowing what kind of game it, it was. And I think it said a lot about what they thought they could do in the run game against the jets uh, defense, but yeah, there's the drops are an issue too. And I, and I think wedging that in somewhere between two and three or right after three as a three B is perfectly acceptable because Ryan drops, are drive killers. They're momentum killers. And I think that's what, to me, the Beasley signing means the most is that in a game, when Josh, all things being equal, Diggs is covered and he's got to go to Knox. He's got to go to Davis and he's got Beasley out there. That's a trusted weapon that he's going to be able to rely upon in games to keep that offensive momentum going. We saw so much in the first seven games. Yeah, and Beasley knows when to break off routes, where to sit. Uh, if, if there's a play where Josh Allen is taking off and scrambling, where to move, where to uh, get in front of Allen to a, to a point where, hey, I'm open, get it to me so you can get that out of your hands, not take those hits. But you, you're right. There's a lot of things that are drive killers for this team. You, you can look at the penalties. You can look at the drops. Uh, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. If you're facing a first and 20 because of a holding call, it gets that much harder to to move the chains. And they had a, a bit of those penalty issues last week against the Jets, for instance. Yeah. The drops are, are the, the big killer for this team. If he's hitting you in the hands of the ball and uh, it's not being, you know, it's not like a close pass defense or something like that, you got to haul those, ball, th- those balls in. Isaiah McKenzie, again, his comes to mind. He wasn't the only one. Devin Singletary's had a, quite a few drops in the past few weeks. I think three total in the last two weeks uh, in the receiving game. You've got to show that you can haul those passes in, move the chains, get this team in in more favorable situations. But yeah, it's a variety of things. I don't think that you have to worry about Ken Dorsey being one and done as offense coordinator, even if the Bills get right here at the end of the season, make a long run or even win the Super Bowl. I think there's still a lot of, well, 
it was really nice, but it, it, a lot of it has to do with the coaching of Sean McDermott. A lot of it has to do with the team that Brandon Bean built. It, it's hard to give Ken Dorsey his flowers or, or too much credit out of the gate right now because you've seen the hiccups. You've seen the struggles. You've seen this offense take a bit of a step back as of late. So I think, you know, that can be a benefit for the Bills long term because he's going to get better with time. He's going to get better with experience. Uh, so you're not in that Brian Dable situation where you're, you're worried about losing this offensive mastermind, so to speak, uh, going in from year one to year two. I think Dorsey will is starting to figure things out, is starting to call some pretty good plays, coming up with some nice wrinkles like that Dawson Knox getting under center, causing the false start, even little things like that. He deserves plenty of praise for calling that in game. It really helped the bills when uh, that was a back and forth punt fest early on 10 punts total between the bills and the jets up until that point. So th- there's a lot of small problems. And I think Cole Beasley can fix a lot of them in a minor way. Let's go to the injury report real quick. Yeah. Uh, just set up the rest of the show here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the first injury report. There's a walkthrough today, but we'll go through some of those players. I want to touch quickly on maybe what the Dolphins are dealing with. We're not going to jump too deep into that pool yet because we'll have the preview show on Thursday, and I want to get into the building the next couple of days before we do that show. Uh, and then we're going to obviously um, touch on the ter- the Jerry Sullivan situation before we head out of here. Um, if you haven't heard about that yet, um, you could probably check that out on a social media website to get up to speed. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do think it needs to be addressed for a moment and uh, or two. I spoke about it on a podcast or uh, radio appearance earlier today. So just a little bit on that. So the injury report came out today, Ryan, what was the biggest thing that stood out to you? Uh, biggest thing that stood out to me looking at the injury report was Matt Milano did not practice. Uh, and I think, again, the bills are going to treat that much like they, they could, if it was a Josh Allen who was full today. I don't want anyone to think that Josh Allen wasn't practicing. Matt Milano is kind of like the quarterback of the defense where you can feel like he doesn't have to practice throughout the week and you, you're going to feel confident in him throughout the week. So that might raise some red flags if you look at him like, oh, he's not practicing. The Bills are most likely letting him rest that knee throughout the week, getting him on the field for game day, letting him heal up more. And they're hoping at some point those worlds are going to collide where the knee's better. He can start practicing again. Uh, but until then, I w- that's the first thing that stood out to me, but it was for a good reason. It's like, I'm not going to worry about this if I'm a Bills fan because I know full well he can be out there on the field on Saturday in this case, Saturday night against the Dolphins and not miss a beat. Yep. Uh, for me, uh, something I'm <clears throat> excuse me, monitoring all week is Ryan Bates, uh, who mm-hmm. suffered injury, left the game uh, against the Jets, and he was a DMP today, did not practice, of course. It's a walkthrough, and we will kind of walk, kind of monitor that throughout the week. But if he doesn't play, it definitely hurts the offensive line. I mean, Greg Van Roten isn't as good, and obviously they're trying to work Ike Butker back. But, you know, I think there might be a little bit of elevated expectations for him even out of the gate. I mean, he's coming off of serious, serious, you know, uh, leg injury. Uh, it was the Achilles, right, uh, for, for Butker. And he had a setback when he was working back in training camp that cost him uh, you know, another month or so. And so he's really working his way back. And so I don't know if he's necessarily super in the mix for me this season. I think they'd love to get him in a depth role if they can, but if Bates can't play, it really limits what they can do because if, you know, uh, Bobby Hart then becomes your number one guy off the bench. And at this point, he's in the Tommy Doyle role right now. He's that uh, tackle eligible that they like to use in their in their heavy personnel packages. And so I don't know if they even really want to use him uh, unless they have to. 
Questenberry can be kind of that guy. He's been a bit banged up, but it's, you know, it's something that uh, Bates to me is a big one. Now there was a report from Jeremy Fowler uh, after the game that, you know, the Bills dodged a bullet. It's a day-to-day situation that John, Sean McDermott mentioned the other day, uh, but something to monitor for sure. Yeah. He, you know, Bates had his ups and downs, especially early on in the season. I think he's really hit his stride uh, the, the past few weeks. He's been one of the brighter spots in that offensive line. We're early in the season. We were talking about, well, maybe he's, you know, right guard is just not a good fit for him. He was better off at left guard and you signed Saffold. I think that you really haven't had to mention his name very much as of late. And again, when you're an offensive lineman, when you're a cornerback, there are certain positions where if you're not saying their name, that's a great thing. And Ryan Bates has really kind of acclimated to that role, taking it on. Well, we know about his versatility, everything that he can do for this team. Uh, so he is a very important cog on that offensive line. So you have to hope that uh, he will be good to go by Saturday night in a, I, I don't want to say must win game, but if the bills win this game on Saturday one, I'll say the AFC East is all but wrapped up because Buffalo would only have to win one other game. Uh, after that point to a playoff berth would be clinched at that point in time. So it is still a very big game for the bills. Yeah. And, you know, they're getting healthier at some spots. I mean, you see uh, Reggie Gilliam dealing with that ankle. He was limited uh, today in practice in the, in the walkthrough. So that's a good sign. Ed Oliver, something to monitor. Um, they're, they're getting banged up all of a sudden on the interior. Jordan Phillips still dealing with that shoulder. He didn't practice again today. Missed the last two games. Now Oliver suffered a pectoral injury in that last game. He was limited today. So that's a good sign here at the top. But, you know, going up into this game where you want to get pressure at Tua Tunga Viola with the way that he get, hits the end of his drop and gets the ball out is up the middle. And, and not having Ed Oliver in this game would be, you know, I don't want to say nightmare scenario, but it wouldn't be good for the Bills. No, and, you know, he is a game record. It might not be a every snap basis, but it feels like one once every drive, every other drive, he makes a big play where he, he causes a disruption, whether it's in, in the run game, whether it's getting after the quarterback, getting a pressure, uh, whether it's taking on a double team and opening things up for someone else. Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver have been a potent punch at defensive tackle for the Bills this season. I really think this year what they're getting from defensive tackle is what Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean envisioned what they're going to get from Star Latulale and company uh, way back when they first signed him and in the level of play they were hoping to get. This has been one of the bright spots of the defense of the actually this t- entire team all season long. So Ed Oliver, uh, his play, his ability to cause disruptions, it, it can't be understated. So you're right. If, if he isn't able to go, that that really weakens the interior of the defensive line. Uh, Tim Settle's a, a good player. Daquan Jones is great, but you're already dealing with Jordan Phillips and that shoulder injury. They bring back Brian, uh, Brendan Bryant today, a guy that really did step in earlier this season and play uh, very well when needed. But Ed Oliver is a completely different uh, at a completely different level than a Brendan Bryant or even a Tim Settle, who I like quite a bit as well. Uh, for the Dolphins, two players to monitor this week. It looks like Tyreek Hill is going to be all right on that ankle. Uh, we'll see how that progresses. It doesn't seem like he would have been on the injury report today had there been one that, that came out. But he looked like he was limping around pretty good on Sunday. That's a quick turnaround. So that could be something that, you know, listen, in the in the weather, in the elements, if it's snowy, uh, the latest is that there is going to be some snow uh, on, on Saturday. So we'll see um, what those elements look like. But you're dealing with an, uh, like an ankle injury of any sort, even if it's not high ankle. I mean, that could affect Tyreek Hill. And then Jeff Wilson suffered a hip injury, and he'll be somebody worth monitoring throughout the week here as well. 
Yeah, so, you know, both teams have some key players that are at least banged up going into this game. Uh, if there's a lot of snow on the field, that can kind of uh, hurt, too, in terms of getting your, your footing, getting going. Uh, with the speed guys like that, one, it can be an asset if the cornerback falls over. Uh, but, two, it can also hurt you in terms of your route running, things like that. So uh, the weather, the elements, the potential elements are, are going to play a factor on both sides for both teams. All right, let's get into um, real quickly. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but um, Jerry Sullivan has been on this podcast before. Um, yeah. A friend of mine, uh, somebody I looked up to for a long time when I was coming up you know, in journalism. Um, he spoke in a class of mine at UB, um, what, 13, 14 years ago. And ever since then, you know, I did an interview with him years ago uh, when I was still in school and you know, kind of stayed in touch with him over the years. Then obviously returning back to Buffalo, you know, he's done stories on family members. We've, you know, I was at lunch with him last week, (laughs) like what happened on Monday night on the train wreck sports podcast was painful for me as a friend. Right. But also for an entire community. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I I tweeted out a a tweet today and I, I, you know, in the morning, I was thinking a lot about it and like, you know, what I wanted to say about it, because when something like this happens, like, you know, I've had something before where, you know, family members have said things that, you know, immediately you disagree with or that are hurtful and things like that. And how do you deal with that when it's somebody that, you know, you love or a friend or, you know, something like that. it's tough. And, you know, basically, if you haven't seen the, the video, you know, he'd end up somebody, uh, you know, a comment had come up in the show that was criticizing him and it was from a, a, a woman, a Bills fan. And he, the quote was the worst fans really are the women. They don't get critical journalism. They're all wannabe cheerleaders. And the thing to me, Ryan, that was the toughest part about hearing that is like, it's just flat out wrong. Yeah. And no defending it. There's no defending it. And like, again, Jerry's a friend of mine, but he doesn't check his mentions. He doesn't interact really a ton with Bill's fans. I mean, he goes, you know, out, probably sees him around town, whatever. But I spend a big majority of my life interacting with Bill's fans. Like, it's all I do, whether it be in the chat on here, talking on social media, emails, when we have live events, when I meet people on the road at, at, at road events and road games. I'm always talking to Bill's fans, an equal amount of men and women. And I can tell you without a, a shadow of a doubt, that the women that I've talked to in this fan base and beyond are just as informed as the men. I also have a wife who is a hardcore diehard Bills fan, has been for her whole life. Me doing this job hasn't changed that at all. If you follow my social media, you saw her take my son to his first Bills game on Sunday. It was cool. He got to watch me, you know, as I was doing my show uh, down on the sideline. It was really cool. And when the thing that happened on Sunday happened, when in the press conference, Jerry had said kind of a comment about Josh Allen, talked about it on the show after the game, where he basically said, um, this isn't a Super Bowl offense right now. My wife, appreciating the critical journalism aspect of it, said, listen, he probably could have asked a question that way if he had if he wanted an answer. But what he said, I don't necessarily disagree with. The, the Bills offense hasn't been very good, you know, consistently over the last couple of weeks. So I think that kind of goes to the point where what Jerry said was just wrong. And despite him being a friend of mine, the moment in that show, what he said was definitively wrong. And I, I, I said something today because I wanted to say something for the, the countless women in this fan base that I, I just don't believe deserved it. Um, yeah. 
no, that's well said. And again, you know, uh, I, Jerry's been kind to me throughout my career covering the Bills, but what he said on Trainwreck Sports, there's no defending it. Uh, there, it's just flat out wrong. Uh, the, like you said, the, the women of this fan base are extremely knowledgeable. Uh, the Bills Mafia Babes is a great group. They have a lot of knowledgeable fans in it. Uh, I have a lot of interactions on social media talking about the Bills. Uh, the personnel and uh, some of them are great, great fans. I know just as much uh, just as much about the game as anyone else. Amy Marie here in the chat, uh, someone that talks bills with me a lot as well. Great fan, very knowledgeable. Um, the list goes on and on. And then, you know, you also look at the press box itself and how great we have it in Buffalo with the female journalists and how knowledgeable they are. And I think. Uh, a lot of them probably took that personally, and I don't want to get too much down that road. But you know, I mean, I, to to, your, to what you're saying though, I mean, we probably saw half a dozen people yeah. about female journalists. Yeah. So, yeah, and those journalists are top notch in Buffalo, and and I'm sh- across the NFL. I just don't know them personally like I do in Buffalo. We have a great media base, male and female especially. Love coming to the game, sitting next to Elena. Uh, love interacting with a lot you of only the, love that because she gives me a hard time. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But uh, again, great coverage from all the news outlets, ESPN outlets, uh, you name it. This Bills fan base has incredible journalists and uh, media coverage from the female females and males on this team. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just wanted to address that as well. Great fan base, great journalists, great media coverage. Uh, we, we have it really good here in Buffalo. So, uh, again, Jerry's comments in that moment on Trainwreck Sports, there's no defending them. There's nothing even close to cor- being anything being correct about what he said in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know there's a lot of times there's danger in – I don't want to say danger, but like, you know, you get caught up into like, you know, virtue signaling, right? Like saying, oh, I would never say something like that or or something along those lines. And, you know, what I tweeted today was was mostly just about what I believe that I live. Like I have a daughter. We have daughters. We have wives, right? And I live my life based on the fact that we are equal partners in everything. And the things that I've learned from my wife, sports included. I mean, she was just saying the other day, she texted me about this before the show. Uh, make sure you say that I, uh, I, I, I called the Cole Beasley thing because it. she's been saying it for weeks about how hard it's been for them to get, you know, passes over the middle. And um, so it's, you know, there's so many super smart, super informed Bills fans. Um, Kristen Kimmick, somebody that we see yes. on the road a lot. Um, I saw she had a great comment today that was very similar to mine on um, the Jerry Hughes uh, potential. I know a lot of Bills fans want the Texans to lose Jerry Hughes. I don't think that it's coming. But suffice to say, this is just, it's a great fan base. And the bottom line is, like, the thing that was the worst thing about Jerry's comments were, like, it's just bringing people down. Let's, like, lift people up. Let's let people enjoy things however they want to enjoy them. And not everybody wants critical journalism, and that's okay. Not everybody wants... You know, uh, cre- like a soft journalism or, you know, um, featurey, lovey dovey. That's okay too. However, you want to experience sports. There's a lot of bad things that go on in this world. Experience them the way that you want. Yeah, that's well said, Matt. All right. Let's go to, let's go to AJ Sabalski in the bullpen, bringing him in. He's, it, listen, Bill's Mafia, give him some love, man. He's going show to show, 
week to week, trying to prove that backdrop. And it's looking, it's looking nice today, buddy. It's, it's, it's better. It's better. All right. What do you got for us, buddy? Yeah, I just wanted to go back to the Cole Beasley, um, you know, the Bill signing him today. I think it just shows you go back to Rex Ryan and what the Bills thought they had with him. And he was talking about the culture and how we're going to make the playoffs and all this stuff. For, for me, the process of, of this whole thing and seeing, you know, John Brown and Cole Beasley and Shaq and Jordan all come back, it really speaks to, you know, I think McDermott and Bean had a plan when they got here in 2018. And I think it was something that they wanted to, like, you know, show Bills fans that they can really actually, like, turn this thing around. And, uh, you know, they've they've done that. And to see Bees and, you know, Smoke come back, you know, after not being here for, you know, a year or two is, you know, inspiring from, you know, a perspective of we have we – have, the Bills have, you know, a coach and a general manager that truly um, believe in a culture. And, you know, you can criticize – what, you know, they've they've done over, you know, the last couple of years in certain situations or, you know, moves they've made. You might not like every move they've made um, in the last, you know, couple of years, but at the end of the day, they've established a culture. The guys that are here, you know, you can tell they love it here. They come back and hopefully, you know, with, with the moves of Brown and Beasley, I don't know, like I've, like when I thought about it, I didn't really think that it would be much of an impact on the field as much as it would be in the locker room and, you know, comfortability for Josh Allen and Shakir learning from bees and, you know, even Gabe Davis, maybe getting a little um, advice from John Brown on the outside. It's just, it just all goes into it. And it's just, you know, astonishing to see how, you know, two guys essentially can change a whole organization around and, you know, make guys want to, you know, stick around and, you know, try to win the whole thing. The way that they built this team up, they did everything the right way in terms of, they they were in lockstep with one another in agreement of let's do this first. Let's build up the defense. Let's then get our quarterback. We're going to be aggressive in terms of making two trades to get up there and get Josh Allen. Uh, they definitely went against the grain t- uh, taking Josh Allen. There was a lot of media national coverage where uh, Allen was the easiest option of those quarterbacks to bash. And now you sit here and, He's clearly the best of that class. So they, they stuck with their scouting, with how they approached the game in terms of what they were looking for in a quarterback. Um, the the culture is great. Like you said, all these players not only come back, they want to come back. They clamor to come back. They take vet. Uh, some of them take vet minimum deals. Some sign with the practice squad. Others sign for a fraction of the amount that they were getting elsewhere. You look at the Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson deals that they got elsewhere before it really just didn't pan out with those teams. They come back and they sign on pennies on the dollar. So that tells you that this is, there's something special going on with this organization. And yes, every front office from Brandon Bean and and the rest of the personnel, there, coaching staff, starting with Sean McDermott, you can criticize them for some of the decisions they've made, some of the draft picks they've made, uh, some of the in clock management going to the playoff games, this, that, or the other, but there's so much more positive in terms of where this team is to where they once were that it, it, it's not even close in terms of a, a balancing act. This team is doing everything the right way, uh, and they're putting themselves in a position to win the Super Bowl year in and year out. I think as a fan, like no matter what you think about Beasley or any of these other players when they've moved on to different places and you know, you know, fans can be fans of players in different ways. Like you like certain players, you want them to move on from certain players, bring certain players, uh, you know, free agents, draft picks. 
what this is setting up for guys is is the ultimate sports you know fairy tale right for all of these guys in the locker room to be gone for just imagine what it has to be like to be Cole Beasley and John Brown right now to be so removed from what this team has been doing watching it from afar I've talked to other teams uh, about uh, or other players that have left about it and you know watching it from afar uh, you know you don't lose that part of you once you're part of a locker room to your point, AJ. So it, it's, it's one of those things that it, it's a super cool story. There's a lot of work to do still left to go. There's no Von Miller. That's going to, you know, save everything in the fourth quarter. You know, Josh Allen is, you know, until he's hundred percent with that elbow, he's still dealing with that. So there's, there's issues on this offensive line. There's a reason Ryan's talking about drafting 25 offensive linemen. <laughs> there, there's reasons for all of this. So here we go. The stretch run is here. Eight weeks, 10 weeks, right? I hope we're doing it all the way to the Super Bowl because I just think it would be so fun to watch this story unfold this way for Bills fans who, let's be honest too, like what's been the biggest storyline of the season? They can't stay healthy. Nobody can, it seems. So to make get all through, all through that adversity um, would be quite a story indeed. Yeah, if I'm here till the end, I don't know if I'll be able to uh, make that show after the Super Bowl. <laughs> we'll bring it well, yeah, I'll, send, you know. I'll send you I'll send you uh an invite. We'll get you on. Chilbalski will just bring <laughs> the team as usual. It'll be a fun time. I, I can't even imagine what it would be like if they were able to win it all in terms of the mayhem in the streets of Buffalo. Uh what a parade would look like. I'm guessing you need a snow plow out in front of it <laughs> to to kind of lead the way, but it, it would be something that I think would uh would would probably even be more than what we can imagine right now. You know what's more than everybody can imagine, Ryan? And yeah. they, carry out cafe, man. They got it all. You can't even imagine the options that are slapping you in the face when you walk into the tops carry out cafe every day, morning, noon, and night. They got you covered. Game day, tailgating spreads, whatever you want. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizza, 14 bucks. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, 14 bucks. The legendary breakfast pizza. Get yourself a large for 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, seven sixty nine. Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. AJ, anything else? Nothing else. Announcement. Announcement. Man, boom! You almost got in big trouble because I told <laughs> you to write it down, and I was like, I didn't remember it as I was doing the spiel there. I'm like, let's see if he does it before we. Get I put it in private chat, but I. AJ looks like Josh Allen a little bit. Oh, speaking of Josh Allen, pretty cool moment for a friend of the show, brother Bill, on this yeah. week's Kyle Brandt in the Basement podcast. Getting the Josh Allen called brother Bill a Buffalo legend. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Josh knows that uh, the good brother lives in Rochester, but <laughs> all the same, he is a Buffalo good. legend. Joke, yes, he I, is. I love, I love the good brother. Um, big announcement, Ryan. Why don't you drop it on him? January 7th. Oh, January 7th, live show, Wingnuts Buffalo. What? Barstool's favorite Wingnuts? That's right, Matt. We are so excited to go there. Uh, Matt, you were there recently. You got a little sneak peek of the wings, the brewery. Uh, Really looking forward to this show. So we are live in person, January 7th. If you're out of town, get into town. For the weekend, it's going to be around the playoffs. I don't know. Is that the week? Wait, is that the weekend of the Patriots game? I believe it is. They play that on the eighth. Double check that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. let me double check. 
So there you go. Come into town. Come to Wingnuts on Saturday night. We are going to shut it down. When you see this beer list at Wingnuts, guys, it is to die for. They had this like root beer fusion beer that was it was like an IPA. It was unbelievable. That number one. They have everything, like these wing flavors. They're huge. They're crispy. They're everything that you want. We're going to do a live show there. So you can come watch the show. We'll hang out afterwards. We'll talk bills. It's going to be great. AJ Sabalski is going to be in the house. I can just feel it. I know it. You're going to bring it. I'll be there. All right. there. And, you know, he's great. He came to the Stevie Johnson live show. Um, and I think everybody's going to want to meet him before he goes on to his, his next gig. He's going to become a friend of the show. Like I'll be back occasionally, but not in the same role. So that'll be great. And then, yeah, we'll just talk bills. It'll be before the Patriots game. It's going to be worth it. Then you go watch the game on Sunday. It'll be beautiful. All right. Perfect weekend. All right. For AJ, he's Ryan. I'm Matt. What is the nearest uh, hotel? Is there a discount code? <laughs> Hey, listen, if somebody was working at one of the local hotels and they want to reach out to the Shout Marketing team, let us know. We'll put together a discount package for the weekend together. We'll see. For Ryan, for AJ, I'm Matt. We will see you on Thursday. Don't miss it. 4 p.m. Come back. Hit that like and subscribe before you go. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.